Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. As we continue our sermon series, All In, we're going to take a little break from Daniel uh, today, although we'll hit Daniel 7, which we talked about last week. And we're going to talk about how Jesus calls us to be all in in his kingdom, with him ruling over our lives. And uh, to start this morning, I want to paint you a little picture, give you a little story about what was going on in Jesus's life with his disciples as he was preparing himself to go to the cross. On the way um, to the upper room where they were going to have the Last Supper, uh, Matthew, uh, the tax collector who was with Jesus um, and one of Jesus' disciples, records something that happened with his disciples. They're on their way um, to the upper room. They're on their way to Jesus's, this is his last week on earth before um, his uh, crucifixion and then resurrection. And uh, all of a sudden, James and John and their mom kind of move Jesus over to the side, and they kind of ask him this question. They say, um, they, they stop Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? This is in Matthew chapter 20. And they said, um, grant that one of my two sons, grant that these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. And so uh, James and John had gotten together with their mom, and, and the mom was like, you know what, James and John, you guys are, are really awesome disciples of Jesus, and we know he's going to be king because of all the miracles he's doing, healing people and raising the dead. We know he's going to rule over everything, so go and ask him if you can be right and left hand. You know, the person to the right hand of the ruler is equal, almost in power, to the ruler in uh, the world. And that's kind of what, what they were thinking. What do you think that... The disciples thought about that when uh, they heard that James and John had asked for those positions of authority, even over them. Well, it tells us, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They were mad. They were steamed. And so Jesus tells them, you know, that's how the world works. You rule over people, and people have to serve you, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. And the kingdom of God, uh, he says, I, you know, I'm, I'm the son of God. I've come to serve and not be served. This is how the kingdom is supposed to work. And then he says this, if you want to be great, you're going to have to make yourself least. If you want to be really great in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to make yourself a slave. You know, Jesus gave them instructions. He was with them and it just wasn't sinking in. So the last week of Jesus' life comes. They go to the upper room. They're sitting around having the, the Passover feast, and Jesus institutes communion. He takes up a piece of bread. It's got holes in it. It's striped from the baking. Um, it's maybe got drops of uh, wine on it where Jesus um, had talked about the ten plagues of Egypt. And so he's got this bread that's dripping red, and he turns to his disciples. He says, this is my body broken for you. And he breaks off a piece and he hands it to each of them and they eat it and they don't have a clue. They don't know what's going on. He takes the cup after dinner and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood. And he is thinking, Jesus is thinking of the sacrifice he's going to make on the cross and the disciples are not getting it because here's what Luke tells us. Look at what Luke tells us. After the supper, after Jesus had given them um, the bread and the cup, it says in Luke 22, verse 24, a dispute rose among them as to which, was, which of them was going to be the greatest. Now, now, I want you to catch this. 
Jesus had already shown them how much of a servant he was. He had already shown them how he was out to um, have compassion on people and love on people. He'd already told them the kingdom of heaven is not going to work like they think it is. Then he he does communion for them, and he he throws out this shocker. He says, the, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it's been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And then all the disciples, they're sitting at the table, they're eating with Jesus. He just tells them one of them is going to betray him. And they, they begin to question among themselves, who, who would do such a thing? Who's going to betray them? And then in the middle of that, they start arguing over which disciple is the greatest disciple. Which disciple is going to rule? Which disciple is going to be in authority over the other disciples? Who is the better follower of Jesus? They are just not getting it. You know, I, I think a lot of times we don't get it. I think a lot of times we uh, feel entitled. We feel like people ought to serve us. We feel, we go in a restaurant and the, and the waiter or waitress doesn't serve us quick enough. And we're like, oh, we're huffing and puffing like they don't have, like they're not busy or anything. Or, um, we, uh, have to stand in line at the grocery store. Or we have to wait at the light because the person in front of us is texting on their phone and they're not going. So we start beeping their hand. We start beeping our horn. Uh, we, you know, we, we a lot of times don't get it. Or even like this, we, we come into church and we expect the music to be the music that we like and the sermon to be something that we are interested in and, the, um, and everything catered to us or we're at home online and uh, we expect um, that Jesus would serve us, but we are not expecting to go and serve him, to carry each other's burdens, to, to uh, look like he looks like, to show compassion to others. I think a lot of times we are like the disciples. We don't get it. And so Jesus gives us a living parable. He gives us uh, something to see with our eyes, to hear with our ears, to show us what the kingdom of heaven is really going to be like and how we can be all in. And he does this right in the middle of supper, right in the middle of the Passover feast, right in the middle of the Last Supper where he institutes communion. And while they're arguing about why, who is going to be the greatest, Jesus does this. It comes from John chapter 13. I want to read it. So imagine, just imagine, the disciples are not getting it. They're arguing over who's, going, who's the greatest in the kingdom, and this is what Jesus does. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the fullest extent. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. Check this out. All the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. He's just giving them what communion means. This is my body. This is my blood poured out for you. And they're still arguing about who's going to be greatest in his kingdom. He just kind of he just reminded them he was going to go to his death. They were not getting it. Uh, don't be hard-hearted like the disciples. Uh, be open to what Jesus is trying to teach. Look what he did. He gets up. This has got to be a dramatic scene for them. He gets up. I wonder if when he stands up, everybody gets quiet. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel 
that was wrapped around him. Now, if, if they didn't get silent when he stood up, they're definitely silent now. What Jesus was doing was considered beneath everybody but slaves. Only slaves washed people's feet. Only slaves got to do that disgusting, disrespectful, low job. You could not be in a position of power. You could not be in a position of authority if you were the person who was designed to wash people's feet. And here Jesus was, the king of the universe, creator, God in the flesh, kneeling down, making himself low to wash the disciples' feet. Now think, think about this for a second. He knew who he was, his identity, his origin, his power and authority. He knew who the betrayer was, that Judas was going to betray him. And all the disciples were so dense that they were arguing about who was, in, who was going to be, who was the greatest disciple. Jesus was washing the feet of the people who did not even deserve his attention. They're appalled. They can't believe what's going on. In fact, Peter, who is always so sure to point out to Jesus what he should and shouldn't be doing, says this. He came to Simon Peter, verse 6, John 13, verse 6. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have been <laughs> had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. There's a deeper spiritual meaning here behind what Jesus was saying. Uh, they had already been clean, declared righteous before God. But, you know, they didn't need forgiveness of sins again. They needed to be kind of cleansed of the contamination of sin of the world and sin of their own flesh and sin of their selfish desires. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, uh, in some common, some uh, translation says, truly, truly, I tell you. Amen, amen, I tell you. He's, he's trying to get us to listen to this. This is the important part he wants his disciples to hear. This is the important part we should hear. Very truly, I tell you. Truly, truly, I tell you. Listen up. Take this to heart. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know, from John chapter 13, I think every Christian can be blessed by God if we would just follow the examples of Christ. I think, I think the examples of Christ, the, that what we have to follow, what we have to do here in this situation is we have to be aware, we have to have an awareness, we have to have an acceptance, and we have to take action. Awareness, acceptance, and action. Number one, awareness. We have to be aware of who Jesus is. He really is God in the flesh. He really is Lord. Jesus knew this. 
And we have to know this. We have to get this into our mind. We have to get this into our heart. We have to believe it to be true because it is true. I like how uh, John chapter 13 tells it. Um, Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Um, verse 3, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew his identity, his authority, his origin. He knew where he was going back. He knew the power he had. Colossians chapter 1 kind of describes the verse 15, Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is God in the flesh. God comes to us in Jesus incarnate. It, it might be the most difficult thing for us to believe about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his be being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And having had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Anytime we hear that Jesus is at the right hand of God, what we are actually saying that he is equal to God in the Trinity. Now, this is also difficult for us to understand, but I'm going to do the best I can. Our God is one. That's what scripture teaches us over and over and over again. And in fact, our God, uh, for us to understand him completely, he reveals himself as three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father has... Um, uh, as he reveals himself as our father and creator, he reveals himself as the, the planner. Jesus, the son, as he reveals himself, as he is who everything was created through, he carries out the actions of the father and the Holy Spirit. God sends Jesus, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to help us so that we can know God, know that it is true, know Jesus rose from the dead, convict us of sin, and empower us to live for him. I can't understand three in one. But I can kind of understand um, different parts of my personality. And this is not different parts of God. He is one God. But I'm also a father and a son and a brother. I'm also a teacher. I'm also a karate instructor. I'm also a preacher. I have different aspects of me that you can see that make me kind of, I'm not multiple personalities. I'm not multiple people, but I am just one person. But I carry out different actions. God is three in one. Another way to think about three in one, uh, I know we're getting off topic here, is water, H2O. The, the essence of water is two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. But yet when it's frozen, it's a solid, it's ice. When it's heated up, it becomes steam. Um, and when it's in its liquid form, you know, it's water, but it's all H2O. Now, every metaphor we use to describe this fails at some point. So it's not that it's not true, it's just difficult to understand. And maybe... We can't quite grasp it. But if we can get this, wrap our mind around this, Jesus is God. That makes him Lord. We have to be aware of this. Jesus was aware of it, um, and we need to be aware of it. We even see what it means when it says in verse um, 3, Jesus knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. Last week when we were studying Daniel chapter 7, we see what it looks like when Jesus returns to God. After he dies and rises again, he spends 40 days with his disciples. And then he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And we saw this in Daniel chapter 7, exactly what happened. Here's what it says. In my vision, 
At night I looked, and there before me was one like, like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people, peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus is this God. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the one who sits at the right hand of God. Jesus is the one who is in control over this entire world and even in control of us. We actually need to be aware of this. And then we have to move to accept it. We have to move into acceptance that Jesus is our rescuer, but he's also our Lord. Jesus says in chapter 13, um, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Jesus is Lord. We have to accept that Jesus needs to be Lord of our life. We can do this with a picture, too, if, if you're willing for me to draw another picture this week. Um, Campus Crusade has done this for years and years, and, and uh, people have taken it and drawn these two pictures. But maybe, maybe this will sink in uh, for us as we become aware and accept that Jesus is Lord. We, we draw two circles, and these two circles represent our lives. And uh, we put a throne in the center of our life. Uh, we draw this throne here, and we put on the throne... Either we are self-directing our life, either we are Lord of our lives, and Jesus is outside of our lives, um, away from us, or we have a self-throne where Jesus is in control of our lives, on the throne of our lives, and we put our selfish desires and impulses under his command. Now, in this, these two pictures of self, these two circles of self, um, if we are in control of our life, this, this is really key. The scripture tells us, and we know from experience, that we are going to be slaves to something. We are either going to be slaves to our impulses and selfish desires and, um, and the, the, what our wants are, or we're going to be slaves to God. And so everything is affected by who we put in control of our life, who is on the throne of our life. If we are self-direct, self-directed, if we have a self-directed life, and I'm writing that above the circle here, and we are on the throne of our life, then it affects everything. And so we put these little lines around our, our life, our, our hobbies, our attitudes, our, the jobs we take, the friends that we make, the, um, the, the thinking, our imagination that we have, um, our uh, speech, how we talk and what we talk about, the places that we go, and why we go there, and um, even the, uh, the way our feelings affect us is all based on who is directing our life. And so if we are directing our own life, then we will live with guilt and frustration. We will have no real purpose. We will never be satisfied We will feel desperate and despair. The angriest, most bitter people I know are the people who self-direct their lives. The people who believe that there is no truth, that truth cannot be known, that all this world is an illusion, that we can only be in it for ourselves, the the people that I have met and encountered and run across 
who don't believe Jesus existed and and don't believe there's a higher calling for their life, they are the most bitter and most angry and most frustrated people I've ever met. And the people who claim to follow Christ, who still have not made Jesus Lord, they want him as Savior, but they don't want him to be master. And they're not obeying him. They're the most bitter, angry Christians I have ever met. But when we make Christ the center of our life, and he begins to affect our hobbies and our attitudes and our jobs and our friends and our imagination, our speech, and the places we go, and even our feelings. When we make Jesus the center of our life, what happens is we begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we begin to make Jesus Lord of our life, we don't just have him as our Savior, but also Lord. And we start obeying him. Everything about our whole personality begins to change and take on the character of Christ. And over time, God continues to work on our character where we become exactly who God made us to be with no character flaws. It's an incredible transformation that's going to be made complete when we see Jesus face to face. We're being changed little by little over time, but it starts with the awareness that Jesus is Lord and then the acceptance when we make him our Lord and Savior. You have to take action now, part number three. You have to take action to make this happen. The scripture says we need to believe that it's true, and you can believe because the scripture tells it true, or you can believe that on the, um, the evidence that is that is given to us. You know, Jesus really did miraculous things, miraculous healings of people, and not just like stretching a leg out to make it the same length, but he really healed people. Like when they were sick, they instantly got better. Uh, when they were dead, he would raise them from the dead. He really did miracles. He really did fulfill prophecies. All the prophecies in the Old Testament that predicted a Messiah came true in Jesus Christ. He really did live a sinless, perfect life. He really did that. He never had a bad, an evil thought. He never had a selfish desire. He only did what God the Father told him to do. He was perfectly sinless, which is why he could go to the cross and be a perfect sacrifice for us. It's why when we have self-directed our life and we've rebelled against God and, and created the separation with between God and us, it's why Jesus could stand in that separation Stand in the gap, holding God's hand and holding our hand and bring us together because he was perfect and sinless. And that's also why he became the perfect sacrifice for us. When he died on the cross, he took our sins and put it on him, killing off of our sins and enabling us to be reconnected with God whole. We're declared not guilty. And he really did rise from the dead. Now you can believe what the scripture says. You can believe the 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 accounts of Jesus' life, the eyewitness testimony. But if you can't believe anything else, believe that Jesus rose from the dead. This is the evidence that we need, that who he says he is, is for real, that he is really Lord, able to defeat Satan, able to defeat sin, and even able to defeat death. He is really God in the flesh. The evidence is overwhelming. We have to accept him as Savior. To do that, the scripture tells us, Jesus tells us we need to believe, we need to repent, we need to tell people that we believe in Jesus, and we need to be baptized. We need to be buried and put our old life to death and be raised by faith to a new life, making Jesus Lord of our life. 
Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus was giving instructions, I like how he says this. In Matthew 28, he says, uh, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We saw that in Daniel 7. We see that when he's sitting at the right hand of God. And here's what he tells us. Therefore, go and make disciples. We have to train people on how to obey Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. We are commanded to learn how to be disciples, follow Jesus, uh, do what he did, try to imitate his actions, make him Lord of our life, be baptized into him, and then learn to do everything that he has commanded us to do. What does Jesus tell us to do? How does he tell us to be all in? Well, he says this. Do you really understand what I've done for you? This is chapter 13 of John. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus gives us an example to make ourselves a servant of others. Isn't that weird? Isn't that difficult? Jesus claims he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Just a little couple of verses on in the chapter, chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How are you loving each other? Jesus tells us we must take up our cross and follow him. Well, how do you take up your cross and follow him? Jesus shows us. He got up from heaven and his glory. He laid aside his glory and hid it behind taking on his humanity. He came to earth as a suffering servant to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He sacrificed his life so that you and I could be saved. He got up from the table. He laid aside his clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he began to do the work of a slave. See, the higher calling of Jesus is to make ourselves a lowly servant. That's hard to do. But it is what will happen in your life when you are aware that he is Lord, you accept that he is Lord, and you take action to obey. He's not telling us we need to go around washing each other's feet. He's not giving us another sacrament like baptism or communion. He's telling us to follow the pattern he set for us. And if you want to know how you can daily take up your cross and follow him, you want to know how you can lovingly sacrifice for others, look for ways to serve. When you go out and you serve others, it'll make all the difference in the world. They will know that you are a disciple of Christ. They will want to know why you are doing it. And you'll be able to tell them how Jesus died for you, how he loved you, how he served you. Just this past week, I was walking through the church and Joy Robinette, one of our church members, she had this, uh, she's one of the teacher of our students. She had this ladder on her shoulder and she was going up the stairs. And I thought, what is she doing? She was going up to paint the classroom for her students. She thought, you know, it would be better for her students and more able, a, a better environment for them to learn in if she painted a wall. And she went up and did it. She was serving her students. She was sacrificing her time, her energy, her, her she was just loving on her students with sacrificial service. You know, when you do stuff like that for others, it reveals who is Lord of your life. 
We have this guy named Tim Davis who runs our camera system, uh, operates our camera system, and sometimes does the switchboard for our online ministry. And uh, Tim, I got to tell you, he shows up before he's supposed to be um, volunteering. He stays all the way through his volunteer time, and he is willing to do whatever uh, Nick and Jacob ask him to do for our online ministry. He has a true servant's heart. And you know, he what he is doing is he is just serving because he loves Jesus Christ and he loves being available for anything that has to has to take place for it for you to be enabled to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ online. He's he is um, making himself low so that you can be lifted up just like Jesus did. We have Pat Marilyn Larrick who work as greeters in our church. And Pat will come in before anybody else arrives at church, and he will make sure the carpet that we wipe our feet on is clean for people to arrive in and see a clean carpet that they get to wipe their feet on, and he cleans it so that the environment looks good for when people arrive so they won't be distracted and so they can hear about Jesus, they can fellowship with one another, they can learn to pray, and they can learn how to make Jesus Lord of their life when they arrive at church. Jacob Blouse, our online minister, he'll take this video and everything that I just drew on this paper, he's the one that drew it on the screen so that you could see it at home and learn how to visualize and maybe even draw it out for your life and draw it out for a friend, teaching somebody else a tool about how to make Jesus Lord of their life and on the throne of their life instead of being self-directed and a slave to sin. He is, takes his time and he sacrifices his time so that you can learn about Jesus. This is the servant attitude and servant heart that we need to follow that Jesus gives us. If you want to know how you can achieve the higher calling of Jesus Christ, make yourself low and become a servant. Even right now, you can go online and fill out a connection card to serve. Let us know you want to serve. If you're going to be in the facility, we have places for you to serve immediately. Being a greeter, being a server, working um, somewhere in the building, working with our children, working with our youth, working with adults. We even have the option that anything not listed but you still want to serve, click that option and we will help you find a place to serve. We even have places for you to serve online. We need online greeters. We need online communicators. We need online prayer warriors. And you can serve, carrying the burdens of one another, just like Jesus commanded us to do. You can be obedient in your action as you make Jesus Lord of your life by learning to serve. This is how we're going to be all in. This is how Jesus instructed us to be all in. This is the example he gave us. Would you take out your communion to be reminded of the pattern that Jesus gave us? Would you take out the bread? You know, Jesus says when we gather together, so even if we're gathering together online, we are together. When we gather together, do this in remembrance of him. What are we remembering? Well, with the bread, we remember his body, that he laid down his life for us. He took on humanity. He took on flesh only to enter into our suffering. This is a God we can trust. He entered into our suffering. He sacrificed himself for us. He came to serve and he used his body to serve. Would you remember Jesus' sacrifice as you, as you participate in the body? And would you take out the cup? This cup, he says, reminds us of the blood poured out, for, out of his body that covers over our sin. Would you remember that he sacrificed serving us all the way to his death? 
He showed us the full extent of his love by becoming low for us so he could lift everyone up. Would you remember that his blood covers over our sin? Everywhere where we have failed, he has made us clean. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross and your resurrection that proves that you are Lord. Lord over life, Lord over death, Lord over Satan, Lord over sin. You uh, have victory over all and you uh, give us victory as well. Lord, we ask now that you would help us be aware of your authority and aware of your power. We ask that you would help us accept your ruling over our own lives. Lord, would you help us to put you on the throne of our lives so that we can take the action of obedience? Lord, would you help us to see places where we need to serve? And then would you help us to go serve there so that we can display your love for others? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We want to help you take your next best step. If you would like more information about how to do that, visit us online at wcconline.org and fill out a Connect card. If this message has inspired you, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget to keep up with us on social media. Thanks again for joining.